0: Good morning everybody. Good morning. Quick uh, note on our gospel, actually I'm sorry, our first reading. Today we're going to talk about evangelization. Uh, and I don't know if I'll get to this and actually maybe another caveat, as with most Sundays, I've been absolutely horrified with my homilies up to now. And last I was like I can spend the hour between, you know, the 8:45 and the 11 working on a new homily. And then my family came over to see me, and it's like, you can't say no to your mother, you know? So if this homily is, you know, from H-E-double hockey sticks, don't judge me, because it might be kind of free floating consciousness. Baptism. In our first reading today, when and this is so important in Acts of the Apostles, Catholics make a big deal about baptism, and sometimes our brother and sisters who are Christians, but not Catholics, don't. And they don't think baptism is important. In Acts of the Apostles, every time someone comes to Christ, they're baptized. In in Acts, I think it's chapter 3, when Peter, two, Peter stands up and he gives his speech to all these Jews, and they're cut to the heart, and they say, what should we do, right? If, if this is really true, if Jesus really is the, the Lord of the world, what should we do? And he says, repent and be baptized. Okay, that's a side note. But baptism is so important. It's the entrance to the faith. It's all over scripture. And the church has believed this for 2,000 years. Aren't you terrified of evangelization? Yes, you are. I'm not even going to say this means yes, but this means no, because you all are. And guess what? So am I. I am terrified. Every so often, one of you comes to me and you say, Father Brian, and I hate it when this happens, I need you to convert my son or my daughter or my cousin or whoever. And I'm like, yeah, no pressure. Great. Thanks a lot. They're like, yeah, he's been an atheist for 20 years, and all he does is try to destroy Catholicism. But I know you can take him down. I'm like, great. Great. I think i got to go to the gym. Uh, It's terrifying. Evangelizing people is terrifying. And so today I just want to talk about, we're all scared of it, but we have to do it. We have to do it. And I want to talk about some of the common misgivings we have, fears we have about it, and and misunderstandings. When I was a missionary, I always like the way Focus used to say this. Curtis Martin used to always say, why do we go talk to people about the gospel? Why do we quote-unquote evangelize people? And there's lots of different reasons. But the first reason we always set in focus is not even for other people. It's for our own salvation. Because Jesus commands us to. Right? Did you ever have that? uh, My mom has one of those uh, magnets on her refrigerator that has, it's like the snarky Christian thing that says the commandments are not multiple choice. And she's right. When God commands us to do something, brothers and sisters, right, Jesus says in Luke's gospel, he says, Why do you call me Lord, but you do not do what I tell you? In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, It is not the ones who hear my words who will enter my Father's kingdom, but the ones who do what I tell them. When Jesus commands us to do something, we have to do it. And so the first reason we really need to be people who share the gospel is for our own salvation. It's out of obedience. It's because Jesus is God and you're not. That's that's at, At bare minimum, that's what it means to be a Christian. Now, I know what we're all thinking, like, Father Brian, I don't live up to so many commandments, and neither do I, but I try to. And there's a big difference between somebody who says, Jesus, I'm going to try so hard to live your will. I'm going to try to be a good Christian. I'm going to try to be obedient to you. It's really hard, and I feel like I fail. That's been every saint in history. There's a big difference between that person and a person who says, yeah, I guess you're God, but I don't think you're going to send me to hell, so I'm just not going to do X, Y, Z. That's the difference between weakness and disobedience, and Jesus has very strong words for people who disobey Him in the New Testament. Okay, so are you scared now? You have to evangelize. Great, awesome. I am terrible at this. When when I was a um, Bible study leader in college, or I'm sorry, as a missionary, as my second year as a missionary, I had been leading Bible studies for like six years, right? And everybody's like, "Oh, Brian Larkin, he knows the Bible and he knows how to evangelize people." Now I was at this university campus. And I wanted to invite these two guys to come to an event. And they were walking out of mass, and they were like, you know, 19-year-olds. They're walking out of mass, and I'm like, the key to evangelization, we're going to talk about this, is just relationships. And I just thought, I was like, I just want you to come to an event. It's going to be a great time. You know, uh, it'll be really fun. There's going to be, you know, lots of cute girls there, just like lords. Um, and they were like, not having it. They're freshmen in college, like, we're not We're not going. And I just kept trying, and I kept trying, and at a certain point, something slipped, and I literally looked at them, and I I still can't believe I said this. I looked at them and I said, well, you realize you probably have like a third grade understanding of your faith, right? (laughs) And like, it was one of those moments you could could see the words coming out of your mouth, and I was like, I'm just, I'm gonna leave now. (laughs) Here's my point. We're all so scared of failure, I have failed to be a good witness for the gospel a hundred times. That was like an epic crash and burn failure in that moment. And as a priest, I've had so many crash and burn moments. I get couples, you all know, one of my favorite ministries is marriage prep. And <clears throat> I fail in marriage prep. There's times I think, oh, I'm going to get this person. They're going to they're open their heart. And I failed. And so my first point is this. Won't it be wonderful to go before Jesus on judgment day? And say, Lord, I failed terribly, but I tried. He knows it's hard. He knows you can't convert people. He knows that. But I I will love, that's one of the things I think I can say to Jesus on Judgment Day. I'll say, Lord, I have so many sins, I have so many failings, but I tried. I tried to be obedient. I tried to help other people understand how good and beautiful and true you are. So point one is that you don't have to know everything. Nobody knows everything. In fact, I oftentimes think anymore, I am like the worst evangelist. Because people can't relate to me. I lead Bible studies. I've kind of given up on that. And when I lead a Bible study, I'm like, do you understand the Greek like, phrase that Paul uses here and how it relates you know, to, I don't know, Syriac culture in the third century BC? And they're like, you are so strange, I never want to talk to you again. <laughs> you don't have to know everything. All you have to do to be an evangelist, brothers and sisters, is all you got to do is you got to love Jesus And you have to actually be compassionate to other people. That's it. If you're actually a nice person and you can be warm towards others and you love Jesus, you'll be a wonderful messenger of the gospel. And what I want to do briefly this morning now is I want to look at two extremes and how important it is for us to avoid both of them. And essentially what happens is that people either go, when they try to bring the gospel to other people, they tend to do one of two things. And neither of them work. The first one looks better. The first one is when people just go completely for love. And they they just talk about how God loves you and and he died for you and he's going to heaven, you're going to go to heaven. Maybe you're going to go to heaven. God did die for you, he did rise from the dead. right? And that's, that's generally, and this is broad, Categorization, it's not completely true. A lot of our Christian brothers and sisters, that's what they do. And there's a lot of good in it, actually. Right? We all are sinners. We need God. He loves you. And that's great. Here's the only problem with that. If you don't come to all of Jesus' teachings eventually, you don't have to do it in a year. You don't have to do it in two years. You don't have to do it in a decade. But love without truth is sentimentality. And so the first thing you and I have to do is we've got to know the truth. We have to be able to say, yes, God loves you. Yes, he died for you. But you've got to know your faith a little bit. Right? If if people come to us and they have all kinds of questions and they say, well, why are you a Christian? And that was our second reading today, by the way. 1 Peter 3.15 Always be prepared to give an account for the hope that is within you. If someone comes to you and says, why do you have this hope of heaven? Why do you have a hope of Jesus saving you? Can you answer that? You have to have some truth in there. You have to be able to answer some basic questions. You have to grow intellectually. Love without truth is sentimentality. If you just say, well, why why are you a Christian? Why do you have this hope? Well, I had this really good feeling right about here this one time. That's not very compelling. right? Feelings are wonderful. I love it when we feel loved and all those things. But we have to be able to explain our faith. Okay, that's the first problem. The second one is when people are all truth and there are no love. Truth without love becomes a weapon. People feel beat up by it, right? If, if you're someone and you say, you know what, the Catholic faith is true, and you have all those answers, and you can talk about scripture and tradition and the magisterium and the amazing things our church gives us, but if you don't love people, you're, gonna be, you're never going to succeed. Those are the two things we have to hold together. But here's, here's the third point. There's an order. There's an order to it. So here's what Catholics do, right? We're the worst, aren't we? We're so bad at this. We're getting a little better. But Catholics are just infamous for this, right? <clears throat> when, someone, when we tell someone like why they should be a Christian, we tend to lead with the law. We tell them what they have to do. And all those things are true. Jesus has a lot of commandments, right? And like we said earlier today, Jesus commands us to do things. They're not multiple choice. It's like, okay, Lord, I'll take commandment, I'll take four, right? I'll honor my mom and dad. Or most of us are like, when we do the multiple choice commandments, we usually choose number five, which is you shall not kill. And most of us are like, I'll take that one, right? I think I can live up to that one, maybe. We'll see. We have to lead with love. We have to lead with love. That's where the gospel starts. It begins there. When you're talking with people and they say, Why are you a Christian? The first reason I am a Christian, brothers and sisters, is because the deepest thing in human life is not science, it's not math, it's not physics, it's not money, it's not power, it's love. People who are atheists, it's like everything makes sense, but they took the heart out. And the deepest thing every person you ever meet wants is they want to be loved, and they want to love others. The heart's everything. So we have to lead with love. The reason I'm a Christian is because life, there's a thousand reasons, but life is so beautiful and my heart longs so deeply to love others and to be loved that I just have to believe that human life is about that. And we have a good story about that, right? We have someone who loves us infinitely. And if you're that person, if you're here today and you're like, Father, I'm not sure if I'm really a Christian, the first thing you have to know is that God is good, he loves you, and he gave his life for you. this is where evangelicals get this right. They're so right about this. You don't have to be perfect to be a Christian. You don't have to have your act together. Jesus loved you before you could do anything. Just like our parents. Right? After Mass, I was at the 845 Mass. We have so many kids, it's awesome. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, after 845 Mass, I was like, man, that homily was terrible. And they're all like, I have no idea. I was chasing four kids the whole Mass. <laughs> right? So I, The four words I heard were great, Father. I was like, thanks, great. Okay, cool. They loved their kids before they were born. When those children were in the womb, they loved them. And they gave them rules, but only afterwards. So there's an order. Love comes first, then comes truth. And we have to know how to answer that. So here's my challenge. I want to read to you from Paul the sixth. And last thing, and this is kind of discombobulated, but brothers and sisters, this is so important. To be an evangelist, you do not have to be obnoxious. You don't have to hand out pamphlets. You don't have to go door to door. You want to be an evangelist? Love him. If you love him more deeply, if you're convicted by your faith, my uncle was at my house this morning in between masses, and I love my uncle. He's awesome. He's a conspiracy theorist. And he's asking me about the Ark of the Covenant. Do you think they're going to find it? And I'm like, no, the Bible says they're not. And I really don't care. <laughs> Which he wasn't evangelized by that. <laughs> Where was I going with this? I have no idea, actually. But the point is, is that if you live your life in such a way that you're on fire for Christ, people are going to come to you. That's how you be an evangelist. You don't have to be obnoxious. You don't have to be in people's faces. I think every once in a while, you should stretch yourself and say to your neighbor or your person, someone you know at work and say, hey, no pressure, but uh, have you heard about Jesus? You know, Maybe you should come to Lord's. We've got, this, we've got an event going on. Or maybe you should say, hey, I'd love to have you and your wife over for dinner. Just get to know you. And you don't even talk about the faith necessarily, but over time, There's a window that's opened. Here's the same, or not saying, what Pope Paul VI said about this. And this is, I think, this is why this is so urgent. If you, if we, you and I don't go out and help people see this, the world is going to impose its will on the culture. Christians tend to be Catholics are nice people, and we don't want to impose things on people. Here's what Paul VI says to that. He says, why should only falsehood and error, debasement, and pornography have the right to be put before people? Isn't that true? We as Christians are timid. The world isn't. The people you meet in the culture, they were made for him. And we're scared to tell them that. But you know what? The pornography industry is not scared to go after them and to ruin their lives. Why should only falsehood and error, debasement, and pornography have the right to be put before people and often unfortunately imposed on them by the destructive propaganda of the mass media, by the tolerance of legislation, the timidity of the good, and the impudence, of the wicked. The respectful presentation of Christ and his kingdom is more than the evangelizer's right. It is his duty. People need this. It's hard sometimes. People will not like it. You will be misunderstood. You know what? It feels good. It doesn't really, but later it does. There are times in my life where I've been misunderstood and people think, Wow, Father Brian's so judgmental. I had friends that I lost in college because they thought I was being judgmental by becoming a Christian. And they misunderstood. But I felt good about it because I was like, Lord, I I didn't do it perfectly. I didn't do it great. But I did it for you. And if I do it poorly, I'm going to suffer I want to do it better. I want to get better and better at it. But Jesus, at least it's for you. And I'm putting myself out there. Paul, this closes. he has this line, he says, may the world of our time, which is searching sometimes with anguish, sometimes with hope, be enabled to receive the good news, not from evangelizers who are dejected or discouraged, impatient or anxious, but from ministers of the gospel whose lives glow with fervor. Do you want to be someone who spreads the good news? The best thing you can ever do, brothers and sisters, two things. Do you know how loved you are? You're loved infinitely, unconditionally. No matter what might happen in your life, you have a God who stands with you, who died for you, who will love you to heaven. That's what everyone wants. If you know that, you'll radiate joy. And then you have to learn your faith. And when people say, can I be a Christian and believe in evolution, do you have an answer for that? When people say, Why, how do we know Jesus is God, do you have some kind of answer for that? And so Jesus, this morning, Lord, in this week and in our lives, Lord, may we love you contagiously. May we love you above all things. But Jesus, give us the knowledge, the wisdom, the discipline to have a reason for the hope that is within us. Let us now stand and profess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, Light from light, true God from true God. begotten not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. And rose again on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again.